This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Numerous companies now requiring employees to be vaccinated before those people can return to the office. But those calls are being questioned as to whether they comply at times with EEOC rules. It also brings up many ethical questions as to what companies should be considering. Rob Hughes is Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics with the Wharton School, and he joins us right now. Hi, Rob. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So uh, let me have you kind of start kind of broader scope here, because the ethical question in this scenario, I think, can have a variety of different uh, you know points of, uh, uh, of discussion here uh, as to whether or not companies are even considering ethics when they're thinking about putting these mandates into place. Well, certainly there are large ethical issues here, and I think that the basic issue is very simple. Uh, employers have a moral responsibility uh, to take reasonable safety measures. And if you have a kind of workplace uh, where uh, a lot of people are working indoors in an enclosed space where there's a significant chance of virus transmission, uh, then requiring people uh, to get vaccinated uh, is a reasonable uh, uh, safety measure uh, that will uh, promote public health and safety. And it's appropriate, of course, to include um, uh, religious and uh, medical exemptions. But the interesting part is that, you know, in the scope of the impact of this pandemic right now, the mandates are coming forward. We don't mandate for other, you know, vaccinations, flu, et cetera. Uh, We, you know, we have an expectation that we hope people will get them, but we don't have that mandate in those other instances. Well, we do have have, have those mandates in some other instances, except for for primary schools, uh, uh, and secondary schools, uh, I believe all 50 states have a vaccine requirement right. uh, for school attendance. Um, and for as far as adults, uh, I, when I worked at the NIH, uh, I did not have a choice about getting the flu shot. Uh, I had to have my vaccines up to date. So there certainly are some employers uh, in some contexts. And I think what's the reason we're not requiring um, the whole list of vaccinations of new employees is because we have this well-established pattern uh, that people get vaccinated when they're children. Uh, and um, there's, uh, we, we've achieved herd immunity for most of these diseases, um, with the exception of the flu. Uh, so, and, and flu is not as dangerous as COVID. COVID is more dangerous than the flu. I think uh, we're considering vaccine mandates for, the, for COVID because we don't see yet, and it's much more serious. We're joined by Rob Hughes, who's assistant professor of legal studies and business ethics here in the Wharton School. And really, I guess, Rob, kind of the tenets of our culture here in the U.S., I don't know if, if, as you said, there are certain instances, but outside of you know where we are right now with the pandemic uh, and a national emergency of some kind, I don't know if we would see national mandate for vaccination uh, because in part of our culture. It may be certain circumstances, but not as a whole. Yeah, well, I think you're probably right about a national mandate, and that's one reason that we're seeing uh, local governments take action. That's one reason that we're seeing seeing businesses take action. Uh, So um, uh, as far as the law goes, so I should clarify, First, preface this by saying I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm a philosopher of law and a moral philosopher, but I'm not a lawyer. 
Um, but there is law on uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, Jacobson versus Commonwealth of Massachusetts um, in 1905, a Supreme Court case established that states have a right under the Constitution to require citizens uh, to get vaccines. Uh, so uh, states could impose vaccine requirements on all of their, uh, their citizens. That's not what we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing uh, mandates generally at the employment level, or we're seeing um, uh, mandates uh, for, um, uh, uh, for uh, uh, in some cases, uh, businesses for customers. Uh, so right now in Philadelphia, uh, the, the rule is if you've got a public space, a public indoor space, uh, either you have to have a mask requirement for everyone or you have to uh, have a vaccine requirement. And most of the stores are, are going with the mask requirements, but, you know, um, sure. uh, some, some bars, for example, are going with a vaccine requirement. Uh, so I think that's the level where we're going, at least in the short term, where we're going to see the requirements happen. One of the things I, I read about uh, over the weekend involving this area is this this concept of sufficiency to ex, uh, to access which means basically that if you don't have if you're in an area where you don't have access to the vaccination uh, to the vaccines that mandating getting them becomes very very much harder to do so that's a component where we really don't have that as much here in the US at whole although we did hear cases early on when the vaccines were coming out of areas in pockets where it was harder to get vaccines where the vaccination rates were were significantly lower. Yes, of, and of course employers that need to be thinking about, about that when they when they're deciding whether to have a vaccine requirement and and how to have a vaccine requirement. So Penn uh, where I work has a vaccine requirement and they also uh, they they uh, went to great lengths to enable us to get the vaccine. Uh, they have they have regular vaccine clinics, uh, which is where I got my vaccines. Um, uh, not every, of course, not every employer can do that. Uh, so of course, employers need to be sensitive to um, uh, employees' ability to get the vaccine. And one thing they should be doing, uh, even if they can't provide themselves the vaccine themselves, is they should be thinking about paid time off uh, for uh, both the vaccine appointment. And if if employees get side effects, uh, 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 you know, people do sometimes get temporary side effects uh, from uh, the vaccines. uh, They need to be thinking about paid sick leave if they don't already have a paid sick leave policy for all their workers. Well, and and that goes to, as you were just kind of alluding to, that goes to the mindset of the company. It's one thing to have the mandate of the vaccine, of getting it done, but you do have to think broader scope about all the potential side impacts that could be there. Tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking about. Well, I mean, you were talking about giving people time off for, you know, to be able to get the vaccine. But there is also the impact if somebody would have a reaction to the vaccine itself. You need to be more accommodative around some of these issues. And I'm I'm wondering if some companies are... Uh, you know, are as aware as they need to be about all of these different elements. They're thinking, obviously, about the vaccinations and the mandates and stuff, but are they thinking more broader scope? Well, from the point of view of employee safety, it's very clear that for the vast majority of employees, getting the vaccine is going to make them safer. Um, now, there is there are people who have allergies, and um, it's uh, both ethically appropriate and legally required under the American uh, uh, Disabilities Act for employers to make accommodations uh, for employees who have medical exemption, uh, such as an, an allergy to a component of that vaccine. We're, we're talking about a small. Uh, uh, we're talking about a small number of people. 
uh, and, um, uh, and and for those employees, yes, there, of course there should be medical exemptions, and employers should be thinking about uh, what else they can do to make their workplace safe. So that maybe that means regular testing for those employees, maybe that means a mask mandate for those employees, or maybe that means you know, um, uh, some combination. Penn is doing a combination. We all have to wear masks on campus now. Um, uh, and um, um, uh, you know, the, you know, regular testing might be one way of uh, of, of accommodating uh, employees who, who, for medical reasons, uh, uh, can't get the vaccine. I guess then the question is: it, it's not a surprise that we have seen state and local governments step in where needed uh, to be able to, uh, you know, make some of these moves where necessary because of the fact that the level of COVID cases, you know, obviously varies from region to region across the country, what one state or locality might be doing might be very different from another, you know, uh, five miles away, 50 miles away, 100 miles away. Yes, uh, and it makes sense for local governments to respond to local conditions. Unfortunately, I think that some of the variation we're seeing is, is less based on needs and more based on politics. We're joined by Rob Hughes, who's an assistant professor of legal studies and business ethics at the Wharton School. So then what do you think that this all means for the potential of legal challenges of, you know, of of instances where people do not take the vaccine? We saw the case with CNN a couple of weeks ago where employees were, you know, told to get the vaccine. They said that they did. They did not. Obviously, there is the issue of lying to your employer, et cetera. But what do you think this all means for some of these legal challenges uh, that we may see about firings involving uh, not getting vaccinations. So again, I have to preface this by saying I'm not a lawyer, and you shouldn't take legal, I shouldn't give legal advice, and you shouldn't take legal advice from me. Uh, but I do read the news, uh, and um, the um, uh, certainly there are going to be um, uh, legal challenges to employer mandates. Um, but I think it's likely that. Um, a lot of courts are going to be influenced by the Seventh Circuit's decision uh, in a challenge to Indiana, Indiana University's vaccine mandate. Um, uh, the decision was by Judge Easterbrook, who is widely respected judge. Uh, the decision is four pages long, four pages long with wide margins. So if you want to go read it, uh, you can. And, and it's very clearly written. I think it probably the judge intended to be read by lay people. Uh, and uh, it's very simple. Uh, in the context of a university, a university can require people to do things as conditions of enrollment. Uh, a university can require students to pay tuition. A university can require students to do reading and writing assignments, including reading and writing assignments they might not like to do. Now, the Indiana government cannot force people to read Shakespeare, but Indiana University can say, if you show up to our university as a student and you want to take a Shakespeare course, then you have to read Shakespeare. And likewise, they can say, we think in order to have safe in-person instruction, we need our students to take a vaccine. You don't want to get a vaccine? You don't have to go to your Indiana University. Um, it was a very forcefully written ruling, and I suspect that courts are going to be influenced by it. And, and, and uh, another salient fact is the Supreme Court declines the appeal. So that, 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 this, 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 this is going to stand. 
that that case specifically really highlighting the difference between a public and a private university in this country and and the impact that you will have on, on each campus. Yeah, and I think for, for you know private universities have an have an easier time of this uh, because a public university is uh, bound by the constitution, or, you know, they're state actors. Uh, a private university um uh, is, is you, you couldn't raise a 14th Amendment challenge to a private university's vaccine mandate. You'd have to look at statute. Um, uh, and uh, in, the, in the Indiana cases, negation of a 14th Amendment uh, a challenge, and, and that, that the court rejected that challenge. Do you believe then that, that obviously the government is, is thinking about this larger scope, but do you think that, that companies in general at least to what you've you've read about and you've seen in the news, that they are doing a a fairly good job around the ethics around the 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 mandating of vaccines at this point. Well, I would you know I would like to see more have have vaccine uh, mandates. I think um, we've seen a lot of companies move move this way, and I think the um, the recent uh, formal approval, final approval, I should say. Of the Pfizer vaccine is going to have an influence, and we do have a lot of companies that are instituting the vaccine mandates. So, uh, uh, CVS Health has announced a, vac- a vaccine mandate for uh, workers in patient-facing roles and corporate staff. Um, uh, Chevron and Hess both have vaccine mandates for their workers in the Gulf. Uh, the United, United Airlines has um, a-, a mandate for all its U.S. employees. Uh, Delta Airlines, uh, I understand, didn't decide to institute a mandate, but they are providing, they are giving an incentive. They're, they're, um, uh, uh, imposing a $200 a month, uh, surcharge for uh, employees who choose not to, uh, um, uh, get vaccinated and that'll be a surcharge on their insurance. Uh, the NBA yeah. has a vaccine mandate. Uh, Walt Disney World, uh, has a vaccine ma- mandate. Uh, we're seeing more movement in this direction. I wouldn't go so far as to say that every employer should have a vaccine mandate. So I mean, if, if your workers are mainly outdoors um, or if uh, you're a very small company, and we're talking about two people in a room, it might not be as clear that a vaccine mandate is necessary. But if you've got um, a lot of people in a small space, uh, especially but not only if you have customer contact or if in the healthcare setting patient contact, you really should be thinking about a vaccine mandate. And again, the, the big reason is to keep your employees safe. I, I would imagine, Rob, then one of the areas, and I don't think we've seen this play out a lot to this point, but one of the areas that, that would be a potential area where there could be some friction on this would be with companies that uh, have employees that, that are unionized. Uh, and, and the fact yeah. that the, the company would have to work with the union to kind of set down what the policies are going to be or what they're not going to be. Yes, that's absolutely true. So um, uh, just to mention two of the examples I was just talking uh, and about, uh, I believe that the NBA uh, has an exemption for certain union workers. Uh, Walt Disney World was able to negotiate with the union to include um, the, uh, 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 the the union workers in uh, uh, in the, uh, I believe it's the Services Trades Council Union. So so yeah, if there's if there are union workers involved, then there there's going to have to be some negotiation. Yeah, the the auto industry was the example I was thinking of because I believe all three of the major automakers here in the U.S. have now mandated vaccine vaccines for employees that are either in the office or on the production lines at this point. Ah, I didn't know that. That's good to yeah. hear. 
Rob, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, And certainly this is an area we will keep an eye on as we move forward. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Rob Hughes, Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics with the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.